there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Why don't you follow me and I'll help you find a place to take that load off. The Chili Crew is just about to start. If you've been here before, well, welcome back. But if this is your first time, let me fill you in on how things work around here. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that everyone that walks through those doors grows a little closer to Jesus every day. And just let me say, you came at a great time, too. We're taking a weekly walk through the Bible, one story at a time, from Genesis to Revelation. And after this is all over, if you like what you heard, on the way out, there's a button called subscribe. It's red and it's got a little bell next to it. Oh, and tell your friends. Oh, 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 here we go. Here's a nice seat right up front for you. Now you sit down and get comfortable. I'd like to sit here and talk to you and get to know you better, but that was the dough. I got to go. Those youngsters better get the lead out. This crowd's ready to go. I'll be right over there. Didn't realize the restaurant would be this busy today. I'm coming, I'm coming. Welcome to the kitchen. Order up. Last week, what? I wasn't here, guys. What'd you guys do last week? Last week, we broke down Genesis 49. Because there, Jacob gives a whole bunch of promises to his sons and even at one point some of his grandsons. And if you guys kind of missed it, this it's it's all precursor to what happens to Israel later. The nation Israel. Okay, so you guys left off on verse 28? Yes, so so yeah, go ahead and start off on 49.29. 49.29, the death of Jacob. Then he gave them these instructions. I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron, the Hittite. There Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave in it were bought from the Hittites. I think he's trying to get a point across. <laughs> I was going to say, he's he's really making sure they understand that this is the correct field here. Now, is, is this like him trying to make sure that they understand where he, he wants them to be buried? Or is this like his brain is slipping and just telling the same story over Sorry, and again? Sorry, over and over. Well, also, I think, I think the emphasis here is uh, all of the family members did this. So Abraham buried Sarah. I guess Sarah was the first one, I believe. Yep. And then Abraham said, make sure you bury me with Sarah. Uh, and then I think Ishmael mentioned something about that. Isaac mentioned something about, I mean, I mean, it just, the entire family wanted to be buried together. Why do you think all of them wanted to be buried together? I think we asked this question earlier, but it, this one, it really hits home because this is, I, th I think this is the last time this is mentioned in scripture. They all want to be buried at this specific site. Well, could it be that uh, they feel that that's where their family, the ones that were blessed by God, the one that had communi communion with God, are all laid to rest? And so it could be very sentimental that they just don't want to break tradition. Okay. Sentimental. I feel it's more towards the fact that, like, it's their land also, and it's actually been promised to them. And well, this one was this one was not just promised, but this one was purchased, right? Because he, like, even he said, purchased from the Hittite. Yeah. So I mean, it's more like 
not only the fact that it's family resemblance and actually being closer to them, but it's also just a sentimental value, the fact that it's like, okay, you can actually go there and pick anything up and this belongs to my family. You can't touch it. Go away. Kind of deal. I do know that many societies even actually, I should say all societies that I'm aware of, if this land was dedicated for to be a burial site, then we we're not going to do anything with it. I will say cemeteries. Yes, but land. No. Well, cemetery is a land. But it's also the, the burial spot and stuff like that because the Native tribe, Native American tribes and everything else, they really didn't have land ownership in several no. other places. But many tribes still to this day that are in different countries and everything else, they do take their burials very seriously. This may be a bit of a stretch. I think that part of the promises that God put in place, I think they understood to some rudimentary degree. Now, I know in Scripture, up to this point, it doesn't emphasize this very heavily, but I think they knew that there was going to be a final resurrection. I think as part of God's promise to Abraham, I think Abraham knew something about this, and I think that's why they emphasize, well, you know what? If if God can resurrect the dead, if God you know, is going to bless the whole world and, and there's going to be eternal life through him, then... I would love to be with all of you guys. So, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I mean, there's no real be- scripture to back it up. That's why I just heavily want to say that's, just, that's the Justin version of scripture. Yeah, Very heavily. Too. I huh? mean, I would say it's a little bit of, you know, I, I don't want to use the words afterlife, but I feel like you just wanted to, they just wanted to rest with their loved ones. Okay. You know, they just wanted to be together, but also for the, what you said, maybe for that same reason of when we're resurrected, we want to be awake with you guys. I feel like people today still want to be buried next to their loved ones. So it's just like, a, I, it's still a thing, right? Want to rest in peace next to you. Right. My mother-in-law <laughs> and my brother-in-law, they're, they're buried together. Yeah. I mean, I don't, think that that necessarily I don't know I don't think it necessarily actually matters like people who get cremated does that mean that they're not resting with their loved ones I don't know I promise guys you can have all my organs and just cremate me I'm fine I'm not going to need them (laughs) right but yeah (laughs) I did I I did check by the way this is a public service announcement please check to be an organ donor on your driver's license Tom all right verse 33 When Jacob had finished giving his instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. So he had the, you know. It sounds like he went real easy. Yep. Bury me with the Hittite. Bury me in the land of the Hittite. Remember the Hittite guy? Yeah. Bury me there. Don't forget that. (laughs) Someone. (laughs) Someone. Write this down. Next to the other stones. Remember that, okay? The other stones. The other people that are buried there, I want them next to me. Now we're into chapter 50. Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph directed the physicians in his service to embalm his father Israel. So the physicians embalmed him, taking a full 40 days for that was the time required for embalming. And the Egyptians mourned for him for 70 days. Hold on. It was an embalmment, though. It wasn't a mummification. 
wasn't the Jewish style of embalmment the way that like Jesus uh, uh, did it. They basically wrapped him in because remember J- Jesus was wrapped in a linen and he had a linen for his face and they put oils over his skin and they would actually put you in the tomb and they would wait until your body completely decays until nothing. And then they would just fold up all of those linens into a little thing. And then they would put your, what's what your bones in a box, seal the box, and then they would bury the box. So like that's, that, that was the standard Jewish tradition. So it doesn't sound like he was actually mummified. It sounds like he was just standard Jewish balming. I mean, I know the Jews weren't around then, but it sounds like they were just a standard way of doing it. Right. I guess you could say that was the traditional Hebrew way to do it since it pre, it came before, you know, being Jewish. Thank the you. Jewish Thank word. you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so I like, got to get in that habit. I got someone who's going to keep me accountable for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, verse four here. When the days of mourning had passed, Joseph said to, to Pharaoh's court, If I have found favor in your eyes, speak to Pharaoh for me. Tell him, my father made me swear an oath and said, I am about to die. Bury me in a tomb that I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me go up and bury my father, then I will return. Pharaoh said, get up and go bury your father as he made you swear to do so. So Joseph went up to bury his father. All Pharaoh's officials accompanied him. The dignitaries of his court and all the dignitaries of Egypt, besides all the members of Joseph's household and his brothers and those belonging to his father's household, only their children and their flocks and herds were left in Goshen. Chariots and horsemen also went up with him. It was a very large company. So they had like a huge parade, a huge procession, if you will, to Canaan. Okay. So they they all went to go. Except for the kids in the flocks. To bury Jacob, right? Yep. When they reached the threshing floor of Atad near the Jordan, they lamented loudly and bitterly, and there Joseph observed a seven-day period of mourning for his father. When the Canaanites who lived there saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, the Egyptians are holding a solemn ceremony of mourning. That is why this the place near the Jordan is called Abel Mizraim. I was just going to ask, is Atad like a land, a city, a place? I mean, do you guys know what that is? Okay, somebody spell it for me. I'll look it up. A-T-A-D. A tad. Like a tad floor. A little bit of a floor. Yeah. Just a tad. Like I'm wondering if that's like entering into like a different town <laughs> it's not a lot it's a tad uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> wait oh they're saying it was probably a trade route okay because they said uh, followed an old trade route through the sinai peninsula i just found it says that the threshing floor was a large open circular area which was used for trampling out the corn by means of oxen <laughs> so i mean maybe that kind of makes sense if it was a trade route it might be like where you started to get all your grain ready or something i don't know yeah so that would make sense if this was a threshing floor so like this one probably right here if this was a big area that they just brought all of their 
grain to thresh during that time, that would make sense. I mean, obviously there's a whole bunch of different ones that, you know, had stone around them to hold the grain in while they were doing it. They named the place because of the event of this entire, this giant Egyptian host showing up and having this, this apparently mournful time that it was so memorable that they decided the the people in that area decided to name that place. So, I mean, what were they doing during that time to, to be mourning that powerfully? Cause I, I know that their common practice was they would put sackcloth and ash, at least the Hebrew common practice in, in scripture. It says that they would put on sackcloth and ashes and they would, you know, throw ashes on their head and then they would wail and scream and cry. Uh, in some instances, I know that Lazarus, Lazarus actually had other people there that were mourning for him, it says, because they stopped mourning when Jesus showed up and said, why Why is the tomb closed and stuff like that? When Jesus showed up, they stopped mourning and kind of ridiculed him for being there. You know, so it sounds to me like it was a very big, loud event that was so powerful and so memorable that they just... Let's rename this place. Right. Well, and it's like they already had mourned for him for 70 days. Yeah. And then they went to this place and they mourned him seven more days. And I feel like like 70 and seven are just like biblical numbers. Like I'm sure there's more meaning in there that we could. Well, it, it said that the Egyptians mourned for 70 days, not Joseph. This one that pointed out Joseph. Right. Well, that's how it is for the seven days, too. It says it was a grievous morning for the Egyptians. <laughs> um, where Joseph observed a seven-day period of mourning for his father. Um, verse 10. They have, okay. they and have then it's 11 that it says yeah. for the Egyptians. So they, had, they haven't talked about Joseph mourning yet? Hold on. How old was Jacob when he died? Does it say? It said a few chapters ago. No, a few chapters ago, all it said was Pharaoh said, how old, how old are you, Jacob? And Jacob said, 130 are the days of my life, but nothing according to the days of my life, uh, the years of the lives of my fathers. So how many more years from when he was 130 did he live? It, do it doesn't say, does it? I thought that it mentioned it on one of these chapters where it was just talking about lineage. Uh, by the way, if you guys want a really good resource, go to BibleHistory.com. If I haven't mentioned that yet. I know. I was going to say, I think I've heard that before. Maybe a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jacob was 147 when he died, so which means he lived years. 17 years. So he, he lived another six or seven years. So he lived past the, the prophecy of the, the wonderful time of, of plenty and the, and the terrible time of, of famine. And then he lived another 10 years past that. So yeah, about 140, 147. On the verse 12 here. So Jacob's sons did as he had commanded. They, they carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre which Abraham had bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite. After burying his father, Joseph returned to Egypt together with his brothers and all the others who had gone with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, 
What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we've done to him? So is this is this happening after, or is this another one of those like overlapping stories? Because right now everybody's just went out and mourned him, and then went out and buried him. So did Joseph and his, or did Joseph's brothers go? Yeah, they they all went. They they all went together. Okay, so this is happening probably right when they hear that dad died. Yeah, well, it says after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt. <laughs> that's confusing because, like, that's right before. Like, after he buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt. He and his brothers, all who had gone up with him to bury his father, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, <laughs> "So didn't you see they were dead like a long time ago?" Right. I think verse fifteen is talking all the way back to verse or chapter 40, or 49, when it says, and he, you know, drew his legs up and he died. So that's probably when verse 15 is coming into play. Right. It's kind of a weird way to bounce around. Well, I, I know this, <laughs> yeah. this is actually very common in scripture where they'll tell one story from, because this is obviously from Joseph's perspective. This is this whole, everything that you just read, Tom, was from Joseph's perspective. But now he's going back, retelling the story from his brother's perspective is what it sounds like. Right. And that's where the problem of how our Bibles like divide things, make it really confusing. <laughs> Cause it like, you know, it makes it look like this whole section is like under one subtopic, but. I think it's actually more of an aha moment. What, what for the brothers? Yeah. Okay. It's an aha moment because you know, you're at that morning grieve and save you're at that like grieving stage and you're going through everything and you're like, wait, I just buried him. Oh my goodness. We did horrible things to him. Aha. He's going to take it on us. Oh no. Now, I, well, maybe actually that may be the point where they're like, Oh, dad's dad's long dead and buried. And, uh, Joseph's a patriarch. Now of the family, <laughs> <laughs> what it could also be that um you know he probably didn't mingle with his brothers he still had duties to do and so that that whole reflection of this time of mourning kicks in and they haven't heard from Joseph for a while and so now all these what if moments start creeping in so it could be very well that um you know they are all back now and now there's just an absence of their brother who's tending to his actual job and that's making them think, well, what, what's he plotting? You know, all, all their, all their own guilty demons or guilty consciences are starting to creep in and trying to write a narrative for them that probably doesn't even exist, but we'll find out. Verse 16. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. <laughs> I can't even read it with a straight face. It's like, sure, he said this. Trust us. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is what you were to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sons of the servants of the God of your father. When the message came to him, Joseph wept. The guy's like, I haven't been through enough already, and now you're going <laughs> to hurt me like this? <laughs> His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. 
We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. So this is his second time he said this, because we just talked about this in the live cast, Mm -hmm. where Joseph is following how did you how did you word that tom you said he knew he knew the path and he actually followed it or at least he knew the end of the path and he followed whatever path took him there yep that faith in god got him there yep you intended to harm me but god intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives so then don't be afraid i will provide for you and your children and he reassured them and spoke kindly to them you know, my Bible says, uh, spoke, spoke kindly. It says, literally, he spoke to their hearts. If, if we were to, we spoke. <laughs> oh, no. So cute. Well, I mean, it, if you think about it from the perspective of, of what's happening in this family, if Joseph fully understood, which I believe he did, the ramifications of his position now, he is not just the the patriarch of the family, even though he's the young one of the youngest. You know, he is the one that will be responsible for the spiritual well being of the family, because he is the one who inherited the the birthright, more or less. So, and he's obviously still even, you know, in the Egyptian mindset, he still has that power over them anyway. But I think this he it probably kicked into him too that he's. He's the one that they're going to eventually start coming to for that spiritual, I don't know, revelation. On to uh, verse 22. Yep. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all of his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children and also the children of Machir, son of Manasseh. Manasseh? Manasseh. Manasseh. We're all were, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. So they're, they're talking about carrying his bones away. I'm, I'm, here's a little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, Exodus 13, verse 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my... Carry me up my bones from here with you. I found it was really interesting in these verses. This is the first time that Israelites was uttered. Yeah, where at? Where did I? Did I miss that? Verse 25. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. Actually... Mine says children of Israel, but I don't think it said children of Israel even before that. Not even the phrase children of Israel. No, it was always Israel. And it Jacob. was always Israel and his kids. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
Why do you, why do you think that is that now that Joseph is dead, all of a sudden they have a national, almost a national title? Why would it be this moment? So the translation that I'm reading from it says sons of Israel, and that was a common title back then, sons of followers of, you know, th that that kind of thing. So it's quite possible that this is the first time that that title, that recognition is being given. Yeah, because they had the Hittites, the Amorites, you know, they all had all these ites all the way through here. And there's not been any Abrahamites. There's not been any, you know, uh, it, it's just been Israelites. No, no Isaacites. Well, I guess all like, you know, right before then, um, Jacob gave all the blessings to each of his sons. And it kind of like, this is what's going to happen in the latter days. And he was kind of giving that like clan mentality already. Like you're going to be, you know, a people. And yeah. so I feel like at that point when he was blessing them, he was saying like, you guys are a people now. I mean, so it could have kind of been then. I'm impressed that Joseph's brothers are still alive. Like <laughs> he's young, still and talking to his brothers that have now outlived him. Yeah, I wonder if some. Yeah, that's true because he was one of the younger ones, wasn't he? Right. <laughs> Heavy is the head that wears the pharaoh tunic. <laughs> this has been great. I, I mean, I've really enjoyed this adventure, and and I hope we'll be able to come back to this at some point and and uh, give some inf more information. But uh, the next episode you guys are going to see is going to be Exodus chapter 1. Uh, Tom, go ahead, and, go ahead and end us out. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for giving us Genesis. Lord, we've learned so much from you through this book and from each other. Lord, I just uh, pray that those that have um, listened to this have, have learned something, that uh, you have touched their hearts by something that... Uh, that has been said that you've wanted to impress onto their hearts, Lord. I just uh, pray that you be with us as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Well, this has been Justin. This is Tom. This has been Sully. Joe. This has been Susanna. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Uh, we love you very much, and we hope to see you later. Bye. Well, hello, everyone. Now that this is all over, I hope you had a great time. Now, listen, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I'm closing up. You can get a hold of them on something called Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, podcast. Podcast? What are they, fishing for whales? Listen, folks, just look up Biblical Chili anywhere. I'm sure you'll be able to find them out there. And until... Lord willing, we'll see you again. May the Lord bless you. Goodbye. They're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most of them probably skip it.
but in case you did, congratulations, you're one of the few. We love you.